Good morning, church. Thank you so much for coming. We are so glad that we can worship with you today. Let us start our worship service with a prayer of thanksgiving, and then we'll lead into the Lord's Prayer and then head into worship. So if you want to, as I read this, let's just think about things that we might be thankful for. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us all whom you have made. We bless you for your creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. But above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies, that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives. By giving up ourselves to your service, by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory through all the ages. Amen. Not only with our lips, but with, the, with our lives. Let us praise him and let us go into this worship time praising him and remembering how we are to worship. Let's read the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Hello, Willow Park Church. It's good to see you again today. Um, we are going to start our worship set with a song called Shepherd. And I chose it because we're, we're looking at Psalm 23. And so uh, I wanted us to think about Psalm 23 as we are singing this set and singing these songs. So let me just read it to you. Close your eyes. Take a few moments to just think about what God is telling you. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. While we are singing these songs, please keep Psalm 23 in your head. Keep it in your heart. Pray to God about what he's talking to you about and worship a part of Psalm 23 while we're singing these songs.
that's pointing out things that we're not doing great in and sometimes it's highlighting areas that you want us to start working harder in but 
but Lord, that you are our strength when we're weak. Help us, Lord. Help us, Good Shepherd, to rely on you and follow you where you want us to go.
powerful name. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name is Jesus. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Let's make this a little worship time just to Jesus, just between you and him so that he knows that he is everything to you. You have set him first in your life. He is your shepherd. He is your leader. He is your guide. He is your king. He is your love. Let's praise him.
Jesus, all for grace to trust Him more. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. We pray right now for our church and the people that are attending, the people that are at home. We just ask that you be with us. Be with us as we as we worship together, as we hear your word together, we pray that we would be open and our hearts and minds would be open to you. We pray for our communities. We pray for loved ones in our lives that, that you would continue to open up times and show us ways that we can share your love, to share your message of Jesus, to be proud of who you are, Jesus, and to share your love. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've meant to us. And I pray that as we look to repay and to live for you, we will live a whole life for you. And Father, as we... As we look at Psalm 23, we pray that each and every phrase of this beautiful psalm would hit us in our hearts, in our lives. We remember your goodness. We remember how much you care for us. Remember the way you've loved us and lived for us and died for us. And I pray that we would walk that back with you. We pray for those in our church that have, that have taken this time that perhaps over the last little while, we've all kind of struggled we pray that you would call back to us, that we would respond in kind. We love you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And, while, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. A huge welcome to all of you who are joining us this weekend at one of our dwell gatherings. Just a reminder that you will need to register before each weekend ongoing. Registration opens on Tuesday at 9 a.m. and closes on Saturday at 12 p.m. You can register on our website or using our free Church Center app. If you don't already have the app, be sure to download it today at willowparkchurch.com app. Our next Kids Camp Online is happening August 17th to 21st. And registration is open now at willowparkchurch.com kidscamp. Registration closes this Thursday, so be sure to sign up soon. to announce that we are planning two day camps for youth in grades 6 to 10 at the end of August. They will be happening at Maple Springs Bible Camp 
For more information and to register, visit cahoots.ca slash ARC. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, welcome this morning. Great to see you. How are you all doing? Isn't it good to be in the uh, church together? Uh, a little bit. Yes. It's brilliant. And I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online, those that are watching us through Facebook Live. And I want to remind you that if you want to watch online at our website, you also can. And also, I want to um, welcome at a 11 o'clock service here, those who are in the dwell room in the gym. Now, we're so glad that you're with us and so pleased that you're worshipping with us and you're there. What a blessing that is as well. And so uh, we give you a big cheer from this venue, and why don't you cheer back and we might even hear you, okay? We give you a cheer. No. Okay. We'll see though, but, um, but I'm sure they're going to cheer back in a minute because there might be that satellite lag that has happened between us. Well, We've been working our way through Psalm 23. And of course, uh, oh, by the way, there are ways to give that you can give at Willow Park Church. Uh, online, in person, automated. Uh, we've got some beautiful uh, boxes because we don't pass around the offering these days. Been built by Walter Hopp. Thank you, Walter. He built six, what I can only describe as kind of beautiful arcs of the little covenant um, that are sat there, made of wood, beautiful job. And so, because uh, we felt a little bit embarrassed last week because we're asking you to give your offering in a juice jug. Um, but that, you know, the Lord keeps giving, my cup overfloweth. Uh, so uh, there is the uh, offering, uh, Ark of the covenant, covenant, as you go out. Well, we're on a series of thinking about the Lord is my shepherd. And of course, last week I challenged you on this reality, and it was this. We shouldn't let Psalm 23 become a sentimental psalm only used at times of funeral. It's a psalm of contentment. It's a psalm that helps us through the most difficult times of our life. It's a psalm that isn't just chiseled on the tombstone in a graveyard. It is a psalm that changes us, a psalm that speaks to us. The Lord is our shepherd. It teaches us that, the, that, that we have surrendered our rule of our life and we have given it all over completely to Jesus Christ. It teaches us that we shall not want, that on every level, emotionally or wherever we're at, the promise of the word of God is that God will provide for us in his abundance. Of course, he says, you will lie down in green pastures. 
What kind of sheep lies down in green pastures? Sheep that are full. Because if you're not full, you want to eat the green grass, right? And God comes and he fills us with his presence and with his strength. And he meets with us. He leads us beside still waters, that intimacy, that closeness, those springs of living water that dwell up within our lives, that his presence. He restores our soul. Not only does he save our soul, but he keeps healing our soul. And where we're wounded in life and where we face problems in life, he comes and rebuilds us and renovates us and works with us within our lives. It's fantastic, isn't it? And then, of course, it makes that statement that he then leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we realize that he is with us, he restores our soul, and he leads us into holiness. You can only really live a life of holiness if you live a life of wholeness. And you can only live a life of wholeness if you are willing for the Lord to restore your soul. See, it's hard to live holy if you're not whole. And a lot of people are trying to live holy lives out of religion, but they can't because they are not whole within their life and therefore they're not able to live. Holiness is easy when you experience the wholeness and the healing of God within your character, within your personality, within the world that you're in, that he transforms your inner person. Yay! I love that. Yay! Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's quite simple. The, sh- the, the psalmist tells us that when you've got God, you've got no fear. When you've got God, you've got no fear. Why? Well, of course, the answer is, for you are with me. The presence of God drives around our fear. When we're aware of the presence of God, it makes a difference in our lives. The presence of God changes us. The presence of God meets with us. The presence of God drives away all fear, all anxiety, all confusion, all worry. Because when we're consumed by the presence of God, because then we become aware that your rod and your staff, they strengthen me. They comfort me. God is strong. God is with you. God is there. He is, he is in all his power. He's strong and mighty and powerful and he's magnificent. He's stronger than the Hulk himself for those children that are here. He's stronger than, than Iron Man. You might say, who's that? Well, good question. And, and of course, he lays a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Abundance. He anoints my head with oil. It's like an internal jacuzzi. He blesses us. He's with us. He fills us. My cup overflows. My cup isn't just full. My cup isn't just politely three quarters full. My cup is overflowing because of what God is doing in my life. And surely... Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? You see, use the psalm at your funeral, but live your psalm while you're alive. Live the psalm now. Enjoy the psalm. Let the psalm speak to you. Let the psalm and its reality make a change within your life. 
But where do we move from this? We talked about presence just then. And really what I want to talk to you is that it all starts, the Lord is my shepherd, with a deep understanding in our mind of knowing who the shepherd is. To think about that. We know that from John's Gospel, chapter 10, when he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd, the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And then the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We're going to truly live in the reality of Psalm 23 as the Lord is our shepherd. The key word there is know. We know God. We know the shepherd. To know something is to have a deep understanding of the way that it works. To know something is to have an understanding of, 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 of his character. You know, I look at my wife and I know her. I don't just say I know. There's a difference between the young lady that may serve me in my local restaurant and I know her. Right? I know her. I say hi. And the relationship that I have with my life, wife when I say I know her. It's a different kind of knowledge. And the worry is in, in our journey with God is that we kind of know God, but do we know God? Do we know God? And it starts by knowing God. Now, how do we know God? Well, to be truthful, the way that we engage with God is through the importance of our mind and the way that we think. And often, we do not realise the power and the force and the ability that we have to select what we are called to think about and select what we are called to muse on to think about, to frame our lives. And part of knowing God is learning at every level to think about God in our life and to spend time thinking and focusing on the truth and the nature and the character and the theology and the thinking of God. And so many uh, Christians today, and this is why I think so many people so easily walk away, is because they've never dived into the depths of thinking about the character and the nature of the Good Shepherd. What does the Bible tell us? says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. This is another verse, so this is verse 14. The sheep know me. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. <clears throat> There's a danger that, that we're not thinking in the way that we should about the nature of God. You see, this is what I know to be true. 
ideas transform our lives. And the greatest ideas that you can muse on in your life is the idea around the nature and the character of God in your life. You and I know that there often games are won in the mind, right? There are some games I have been bad at. <laughs> you know, I, I have to be honest with you, I was not the first person to be chosen on, on, uh, for soccer games in England. It was like, oh yeah, you have Collins. No, no, you have him. Car oh, Collins. And I'd walk forward. Collins. You know, I was like the last one. Because uh, my, my foot skills weren't, weren't as good. You know, the English are very intense about their soccer. And about how to play. Now in Canada, when I play, I'm like David Beckham. But, because I'm awesome over here. But in England because I can pretend to be awesome. But I was never chosen. But I know when I'm running a marathon and my body is hurting exponentially and, and I think I want to give up and my whole body is aching, that the marathon is won not by just your muscle and the fact that you've done a 20-mile run sometime before you did this 26-mile or 42-mile, but it's won with the way that you think about it and the reason you don't give up because you need courage because it's your mind that gets you through long distance running. I know that. I've done an ultra marathon numerous times of over 50 miles and I've had to keep going but the, the race is one in the mind. It, you know this with golf, don't you? Many of you love golf. I know in the gym. James Peters is in the gym. He loves golf. We've been promising to have a game of golf together for 10 years. But I'm useless. In my 20s, I used to play golf a lot. And now my 13-year-old boy is saying to me, can we play golf? And I'm like, yes, we can. And I'm remembering all those twice-a-week games in my 20s with my brother at different times. My brother's five years younger than me. And the game is one in the head. Because he'd stand there and he'd look. And he'd, if, I, if I sliced, he'd kind of go... Mm. And it would throw my brain. And then at the tee box, you know, he wouldn't say admit to do this, but he'd sort of move around a little bit or, or, or just open a can of Coke. Just before, he'd play with my mind. And before I knew it, I'm slicing to the left. I've got divots in the, in the fairway and I'm stuck in a bunker surrounded by, by sand flying in the air. And I'm speaking to myself and I'm saying... Phil, get back in the game. Because the game is one in the head, right? Now set your minds and hearts to seek the Lord your God. It's a choice, it's a decision 
to set your mind to see God in your life and to put the shepherd before you in every section of your life, in every way, and to learn to think. And why the term, and uh, apply your mind? By mind, I'm using a kind of idea, of course, of, of mind and, and, and spirit and soul, the whole person. But in that sense, our heart as well, we want to set our mind because ideas get us out of bunkers. Ideas help us to win marathons. Thoughts help us to propel us forward and thoughts have the power to change our lives. There was a day when I did not know about Jesus Christ. I had no concept of the gospel. I had barely been in church and one day somebody came and told me ideas about the gospel. Ideas and thoughts about Jesus. Ideas that could change me. And after about seven encounters with those discussions and presenting those ideas, those ideas took root into my life. It transformed my life and I met the Lord Jesus Christ. But it happened here. I grasped it. I saw it. And the spiritual birth happened. So why is it that often Christians find it hard to think about God? And to dwell? Because there are, there are idea systems out there. You know, when we read this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. How do you think the spiritual forces of wickedness affect humanity? They affect humanity through ideas and philosophies and thoughts that are anti the kingdom of God. And so, for example, atheism, the gospel according to atheism, will tell you that when you die, there is no life after death. And one of their little tenets of atheism is, and I heard it recently listening to the famous atheist these days, comedian Ricky Gervais, and he said, well, the truth is this, you know, I don't remember before I was born anything. And when I die, I'm not going to remember anything. It's nothing. Now that's an idea. It's an idea of evolution. It's an idea that there's nothing spiritual. There's an idea that God is out there. And of which, you know, 30% of Western society subscribe to this idea. And it's an idea that is anti the word of God. And what we have to be careful about is the idea systems of the world. Or are we following the ideas of the kingdom of God and the word of God and what God speaks? And it's so important that Christians understand the nature and the character and seek after the nature and the character of the God that we serve. And when we understand an aspect of the nature and character of the God that we serve, that we learn to sit and we learn to think about God. We hold him before us, in front of us. As Paul says, I pray without ceasing. This sense that I'm aware of the good shepherd and I'm thinking about the nature and my beliefs are in harmony with the very truth and character of God within my life. So we can be influenced by the 
idea systems of the world, we know those idea systems. You know, if you become wealthy and content, you will find true content. You know, there's so many idea systems. Or there is a danger of our minds becoming full of what I like to call the poisonous obsession of self. i say that again. The poisonous obsession of self. That we spend our time thinking continually about ourselves. We may read a bit of the Bible, turn up at church occasionally. <laughs> that used to work when the church was packed. <laughs> you are so devoted, it's awesome. And if you're watching online, you're awesome. But you know, we, 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 we can become, we can, our, our whole life can be full of the world of hurts that we carry in our life. And so we spend most of our time concentrating on the world of hurts and pain that we carry within our life. Psychologists tell me that 80% of what we think as human beings is often negative, and 80% of that 80% are things that we've thought before more than three or four times, which tells me you are and I are wasting a lot of time thinking about things we've thought before again and again, and we're thinking about these things at least... Um, four-fifths of our day rather than actually challenging ourselves and thinking to ourselves, I will think about the goodness of God. I will think about the character of God. I will think about God's presence, about the truth, about the nature of God. I will allow myself to become that person that takes his or her mind and apply it to the glorious truth of the God. And I know that when I have the word of God rooted in my mind, it brings a transformation in my life. And I'm stuck in a bunker and I'm sandy swirling all around. But I know that God is with me. I just thought of a brilliant joke I used to tell about a golf joke about playing golf with God and Jesus. Um, but that's for a different time. Uh, and it's a very funny little joke. Uh, maybe I'll tell it at the end as well, and you can all groan with me. Um, but God is with you in the bunker. But be careful not to self-obsess about all the people and all the issues and start to beautifully focus on God. See, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. This is what I'm saying. We can live our life almost as Christians, but still live in darkness, and we live our mind and thinking about the futility of the mind. 
about things that don't change us, about things that don't bring love, about things that don't revolutionize our lives, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness, to work, all uncleanness with greediness. What Paul is describing here is two ways to think. Two thought systems. And the antidote to bad thinking is the power of thinking about the power of the gospel within our lives. The antidote to bad theology is learning to think about the nature of God. The antidote to being self-consumed in the obsessiveness of our own brains is to start to be consumed by the truth and the beauty and the wonder and the presence and the glory of the God that we serve. Amen. Even I was amening that at that moment. That I want to be consumed by a thought of God in my life. But that does mean that I have to set my mind. I have to learn. See, there's a danger that we can all be like Nicodemus. Jesus explained to him about the life of the Spirit, born of the Spirit, the movement of the Spirit. And he, he said, I don't get it. And Jesus sort of ironically says, you being a ruler in Israel, you don't know these things. You don't know that there's a deeper level than just mental knowledge to connect with God. You don't know that it's not just about rituals and about your little laws and all the things that you're doing, but it's about being born of the Spirit because God is Spirit and being transformed by God. Nicodemus, you're a lovely man and you're a religious man, but there's a whole world for you to go deeper and experience God. And so often there is a danger that idea systems of the world rob us of intimacy with God. And there's a danger that self-obsession robs us of intimacy with God. And we have forgotten what it is to think on the glory and the presence, the character and the nature of God. Come on, Nicodemus, apply your mind and understand these new things. I mean, we all know the importance of thinking about things. Um, I mean, I, I have taught three daughters how to drive a car. I've, they've gone through a process of conceptually understanding it, to getting into the car, to learning how to change gear, and I'm always saying, practice it, think about it, understand it in your mind, and it will change you. I don't often tell them, but I only had one driving lesson when I went to pass my test. Which is a bit, you know, I know it was a lot different back then. But I couldn't afford any driving lessons. I'd really prayed about it. And I ended up in a church in Southampton. And I stayed with a man who owned a driving school. So he used to let me drive from his house to the church where we were having the meetings. And I was helping out. 
and I used to drive 30 minutes there and back. So that's really how I got my driving lessons. But I get things wrong all the time. And I remember I used to sit on my settee, I got a toilet brush and as the stick, and I used to, in my mind, play through my mind all of the moves and everything, luck here, do this, do that, turn, smile, move, push down, because it's a stick shift, because real people drive with a stick shift. And, and so I, I sat there and mum would say, what are you doing? I said, I am, I believe if I can memorise it, I'll get it right when I do it to the day. <laughs> do you know what? I passed. <laughs> Yay! And, but I knew, with driving, I knew with the girls, it was to do with confidence, it was to do with repetition, it was to do with thinking, it was to do with understanding, and once they understood it all, it all fell into, and now they're free. I have found exactly the same with theology, and my relationship with God. That when I think, and engage, and pray, and take scripture and truth. I find, let me explain it this way, that the mind is the key to life. That when I get my mind right before God, so much more happens. By mind I mean my heart, my soul, my spirit, who I am. But the way that we function, uh, the Bible says this, um, in Romans chapter 1, and it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So they've got the truth uh, that God exists, but they suppress it. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. There is a knowledge of God within every human being. Every human being has an idea of God. For God has shown them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. In other words, he's saying that even the unrighteous and the ungodly have within them an inbuilt operating system to know that there is a God out there. Creation shows it, and inside of us. Let me explain this. If you go to Soviet Russia in the communist era and uh, generally ask who believed in God, okay, ideas of communism had sort of eradicated God, but still you were dealing with 60% of the population that believed in a God, even though the ideas. If you went to America, unbelievably, 90% of Americans still believe in God, on existence of a creator. That's amazing, isn't it? But if you go outside of countries and you go to indigenous tribes in the Amazon basin, in the Indonesian jungles, in the Kalahari Desert. Do you know what you discover from those ancient tribes? 
that they have something in common. They all believe in a creator. They all believe in an invisible God. And they all believe that he is personal. Isn't that true? 100% there's not a tribe you can find of an ancient nature that doesn't believe in the existence of a God. And Paul says it's been written and the Godhead has been written in our hearts. Isn't that fascinating? And because of this, we know. Now, I would like to suggest that for many of us, in some areas of Christianity, we've lost the ability to marvel at the things it describes. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes. This is what I'm saying. When you understand the Lord is my shepherd, we start to understand the attributes of God. And when we understand the attributes and character of God, these attributes, we, we understand him and our lives are changed by a deeper knowledge of who God is. My sheep shall know me. And Christians leave the faith because they don't actually know the God that they're serving. Even the way we read the Bible at times is, is a little bit strange. We read the Bible as if we look at the life of Abraham and we go, oh, can I relate to something to do with Abraham, which is fine. Or Nehemiah, it teaches me how to build walls and be a good manager. And we do that. Uh, can I suggest to you that when you read the Old Testament, try and read it a different way round. Try and read it as if you can understand the character of God interacting with mankind. So when we read the Old Testament and the New, there's a continuity, but we read it to discover what this God is like. How he doubts. I'm completely different from Abraham. I'll never be like Abraham in so many ways. I mean, you know, first of all, Michelle is not having a baby at 90. And secondly, there's no room in our lives for a, uh, a Hagar, right? I mean, these are ancient... Stories of glorious people that lived and were true, but in then, but you learn something about God. What do you learn by, about Abraham about God? That God never goes back on his promise. That's true for you. What do you learn about Abraham and, 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 and God? You learn something that, that God's character is consistent. What do you learn about Moses? That he doesn't give up on losers. What do you learn about um, the story of the Israelites? That God is patient. Slow to anger. And sometimes I think we've got, we, we, we stop reading the Bible to learn about God. The shepherd. God is so awesome, so amazing, so magnificent, and he has shown himself in Jesus Christ that when I think about Jesus, it is something, when I think about God, the one thing I realise about God is that God is very, very, very big. True? He's created everything. can't even get my head around it. I mean, all of this is created by atoms. 
And that matter, it, physics tells us, is that it is, 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 is atoms that are together. And if you split a uranium atom, it creates a lot of energy. As we remember sadly this week about Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we, we know that, that, that within the created world there is such energy, such power, and yet God himself spoke this into existence. Just think about that. He spoke it into existence. Sometimes we say that God created something from nothing. No, God, I've preached that a bit myself, but actually God spoke something into existence. And he's feeding the 5,000, and there's only a few loaves and breads. And he, how did he take that? He, took, he created bread and bread and bread and bread and bread, and out of the very, very world, he was able to create a most unbelievable miracle because he's God. And when we have a picture and a vision of God, his abundance, his glory, his power, his character, it makes such a difference in our life. He's a consuming fire that comes to us. The history of the Bible reminds us of how God has shown himself to us. This is a beautiful passage. We can't read it all. It's long and, and gorgeous and well written from the Pentateuch. And it's so gorgeous about God being with Israel through history. And that we, we as believers, we are learning. We are learning. We are learning to envision the invisible. Is that true? We are learning to envision the invisible and to let God work and minister in our lives. Where does this lead us as I finish? Well, it comes down that our God that we serve is a God of abundance a God of creativity. We learn so much by the names of God, like Yahweh, El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. I am who I am. I am the self-sustaining God. And right at the end, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs. Does that remind you of a psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Paul and David are saying the same. And I want to say the same to you. We do not serve a stingy God. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of grace. For God so loved the world. Amen? What's the next bit? That he gave. He gave. He gave. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Can I encourage you, even this week, if you take one or two names of God and meditate on those names and throughout your day bring it out, think about the nature of God. Think about the character of God. Know 
that there is a deeper and far beautiful journey into God. Apply your mind and start to allow the truth of Christ to transform your life. The idea of the gospel preached to me brought salvation to me. And I bowed the knee, I gave my life and I stared into the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection and I stood up a brand new man. The idea of the gospel changed my life. And he hasn't stopped changing your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have called us You have called us into a beautiful and remarkable relationship with you. And as we grapple with the idea, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I pray that we will all know the shepherd. That each one of us will know the shepherd in our life. And help us, Lord, as Philippians says, think on for whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is true. These are the things to think on. And help us, Lord, to think on the things of the glory of God, the ideas of the kingdom that will change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jim, for listening. By Jim, I don't mean Jim. I mean those in the gym. And thanks for listening. Uh, Jordan did a great job there. You're brilliant. And um, thank you all this morning, 12 noon, for listening and joining in online, Facebook, and in person. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.